Thank you so much for tuning in to the Attack and Release Show. My name is Sam Moses, and I am with my good friend, Matthew Garber. And on today's episode, we would like to talk to you about how you should go about picking a mastering engineer, why does that even matter, if you should master your own mixes, and other things that go into that. So, Matthew, are you ready? Sure am, Sam. Excellent. rhymes. <laughs> sure am, Sam. Sure am, Sam. Here we go. That'll probably be our intro. <laughs> All right. <laughs> cool. Let's go. So, Sam, why does why does this whole silly thing of mastering <laughs> even matter in the first place? Well, mastering matters because you want your music to translate the best it can on all speaker systems. So be it a cell phone, a laptop, a car, studio monitors, whatever the situation in the mall when you're shopping for avocados at a grocery store, when the only speakers are mono in a mall and in a grocery store, you want your music to play back, uh, you know, essentially the same way no matter where you are or what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And mastering has a huge role in that, in that we're kind of the last stage where we can uh, enhance what's great about your music. Uh, usually we will hear things that you have never heard because of our setup and our speakers allow us to. And we work in an environment that's super critical <coughs> that will allow us to uh, balance out everything in a way that will make it translate uh, to all speakers. And when I say that, it's more so that the core foundation or like the meat and potatoes of the song translates everywhere. So obviously, if you're going from Mm -hmm. an iPhone to studio monitors, it's going to sound different. But the main things we're working on is like, is the performance there? Is the idea there? Um, which for modern music, it's like, is the vocal really present? Are the drums loud? And then are there some things backing that, you know, clearly? Mm. And that is, um, you know, that's a big part of our job. One of one of the things we do as Master Engineer is we make sure that your song will sound similar no matter where it's played. Yeah, totally. I mean, <clears throat> if nothing else, you hire a mastering engineer just... To have a biased set of ears. Right. And, I mean, even if they're doing nothing else but saying, yes, this is perfect, and signing off. Right. I mean, that is worth the rate of a mastering engineer, just to hear that what you did is absolutely perfect, and then them prepare that. Right. As rare as that is. Yeah. Um, 99.99% of the time, that's not the case, and there can be a little bit of tweaking that's necessary and whatnot, and... I was doing a little bit of uh, researching uh, earlier this week <clears throat> into why uh, mastering engineers, uh, like, like how, how do they get to the whole like enhancing yeah. part of mastering? Because it wasn't always like that. It was, right. it was the guy who's going to man the lathe and who's going to make sure that that transfer happens correctly, accurately, yeah. that there's no... Uh, groove cutting into another groove or swinging into another groove and uh what's what what's the whole like point of this enhancing thing and it was essentially mastering engineers competing after a while saying well I can sweeten the mix this way or yeah. I can sweeten it better than than this guy and then yeah. as you came out of 
vinyl and whatnot that really just hung on. Yeah. Um, so and it, it's so so much beyond sweetening, quote unquote, a right. mix. Right. Um, when you really get into it, but primarily, I mean, that's really where a lot of the competition is. Right. So. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Why did it's why like, does mastering even matter? Yeah. I mean, to me, mastering matters because it's able to take like all your all your songs and make it feel like one fluent type of work like it makes everything mm-hmm. feel um to me complete i mean really that's like for me when i get a bunch of songs you know usually they're kind of all over the place they may have a similar vibe to them but so much so much of the stuff i get now even if it's done in the same studio you know, there's just always... Best case scenario. Yeah, best case scenario, it's done by the same person <laughs> in the same studio. But with the amount of, like, how genres have changed so much, you know, yeah. with blending, you could have a country album that has pop elements and then live instrumentation, and then there may be a song, like, that's just 808 drums, and, like, it all came out of the same studio, same producer, same mixer, but it still, from top to bottom, feels like, you know... 10 different people worked on it or mm-hmm. came out of 10 different places. So I think for me, like making that thing feel like one complete work really helps tell the story of the whole album and helps give people a um, a consistent experience, which I find to be important. At least people seem to think that's important still. And I think no matter where you're going to go, you're going to find mastering engineers who have... Uh, I don't really want to say a different tone, but they have yeah. like a different sonicality that they can, or maybe even not add to, right? Um, <clears throat> add to a, an album. Yeah. And I've heard albums recently that came from a mastering engineer that it was just it was too uniform. Yeah. And it was just like kind of all bland, and I was just like yeah. skipping songs. But like, man. Like you like skip a song, you skip to like the chorus or something like that. Like this sounds the same. Right. Skip the song, go right. to the chorus. This sounds the same. Yeah. And it's like, I, I mean, you could want that, but it's like I normally like to create a little bit of an ebb and a flow. Right. To things, I know, I know that's tried for uh, quite a bit um, in the uh, in the in the mixing stage and yeah. whatnot, and. But it's like you, you don't always have sequencing and stuff right, like that figured right. out by the by that point. Yeah. But um so it's like you're gonna like no matter who you go to or where you're gonna go, you're always gonna find somebody who has a different kind of a flavor. Right, right. Yeah, I mean I think that's that's like a huge part in in why you should have someone like why you should work with a master engineer, which we can get into this later, but picking someone based on kind of their style and flair. Um, you know, picking someone that fits your vibe is really important to getting the end product you want. Um, but I just, I mean, for me too, like the reason you work with a master engineer and why it's important is a lot of it is because, at least for me, I have gear that's specifically for the mastering process. Yes. And I think to me, that's one of the biggest things that people don't understand. For some reason, there's a disconnect of like, okay, when we record drums, we know we should use like, if we want like a big fat sound, we use Neve 1073 preamps, you know, in a certain microphone in a certain signal chain. Or if we want really upfront drums, we use API. Like people are really um, 
aware, for the most part, if they're a good engineer, producer, whatever, they they know, okay, if I want this sound, I need to use this. If I want this type of vocal, I should use this microphone. Um, but when it comes to mastering, it's like everybody just throws that out the window and goes, well, you can master however you want. Do it yourself. Use a random plug-in. Use a random piece of gear. Which, you know, you can. You can get creative or whatever, and I've done that too, you know, when the project calls for it or the the client's Mm -hmm. like, let's try some things out that are unconventional. (laughs) Let's get weird. Yeah, which I've talked about before in an episode. But overall, I mean, the biggest difference I see is people who, like, faux master, who eventually then start using me or start using a mastering engineer, once they get the A-B of it, of like, mm-hmm. here's my faux master. I think it sounds great, you know, and people are happy with it. And my response is usually, yeah, it sounds pretty good, but I can make it sound like way better. <laughs> like, I can make it sound great to where you're like, I didn't even know this was possible for my song yeah. to sound like this. And now everybody's <clears throat> super stoked. And that's normally like the reaction people give me once they start working with me. I mean, I had a guy this week who sent me like, We've done a we've done three songs together now. And like this week we're on song three, so he's kind of getting used to me. And his response was like, Your wizard seriously sounds so incredible. Thank you. <laughs> like that's like for him, he's gonna pay for mastering all day long for for the rest of his life. Where before he mm. was doing his own stuff, now we're three songs in, and he's like, Oh my gosh. I can't believe I haven't been using a mastering engineer before now. Um, and I think that's just the thing. Like, we have a skill set, just like a songwriter has a skill set, just like a drummer has a skill set that's super important to the whole creation process. And I just continually see people neglect the mastering stage as if it's not a part of the process. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, I'm, I'm glad we're doing this podcast and I, I work really hard in trying to educate people on why it's important. And for a lot of people, it just takes time. They have to be able to A, B it to hear the difference. And that's fine. Like I've gotten to the place where now I will do a sample for anyone pretty much any time if that's what needs to be done. Um, if they're not convinced by, you know, my other past work. But mm. it's just, yeah, I just think it's such a huge game changer and it can really make or break like a song or an album. Like I've, I've just I've experienced it from doing you know I've worked on like 500 projects over the last like 5 years and like the amount of projects that went from good to like oh my gosh this is outstanding and way better than other people's stuff you know it happens that happens in the mastering stage mm-hmm. um and that for me I mean that's why I do mastering that's why this is my career is <laughs> like I personally think mastering drastically can impact an album so great. Like maybe it's the most impactful stage of like creating music. That's kind of a bold statement. But I will I say like everything else, like like you can't slack off on everything else. Absolutely. I think not. there was like a meme or something like that that was going around like Donald Duck sitting up in bed being like, maybe I should work on the mixes a little more. And then he's like <laughs> goes back to bed. He's like, oh, I'll just let the ma- I'll just let mastering figure it out. Right. right. And it's like you can't do that. It's like seriously put your heart and soul into yeah. the mixes. And and specifically, start off correct with, like, good engineering. Right. Oh, yeah, sourcing, yeah. 
Yeah, like like get that tone down. Like start there. Don't be the whole we'll fix it in the mix. Don't do that. Right. Like, no, you'll fix it right now because the mix will be way easier if you already right. have your tone locked down. Exactly. So <clears throat> when it comes to when it comes to me with mastering, uh I'm even to the point to where it's if someone hands me a say a working master or yeah. uh whatever say they printed something from Lander as like a source or something yeah. like that. I've had that a couple times, which is odd. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But um, I don't even really try to beat it. Because right. I know that like the tonality of what I'm going to do is going to be so much like superior exactly. than anything else. And it's like, yeah, you can play the whole loudness game. And don't get me wrong. I could beat any of these out by just making something louder. Exactly. But it's like, is that actually serving, like, the music? Right. And my answer is no. Right. Um, I'm going to master until it breathes, and if Lander's saying, this needs to go, or Lander, like, on, like, the RMS meter, if it is, I'd say it's at, like, minus seven, but... It's like everything's breathing really well at like right. minus like eight to minus seven point five. Yeah. Sorry guys, but this is where the song breathes the best, and I think this is where you're gonna get most bang for your buck. Yep. Um, I can push it, but as me returning it to you, this is where it sonically flows. Yeah. At least in my opinion, and yeah. you hired me for my opinion. Right. Um. But if you want loudness, I can do that. Yep. Um, and fortunately, a lot of the people that I've worked with, and it's 99, once again, percent of them, um, <clears throat> they're, I, I have no contest. And they get stuff back, and they're like, oh, my gosh, I can hear everything. Exactly. This is incredible. Yep. And it's not that I'm trying to get that response. I just want them to be happy with what they've spent so long creating. Exactly. And there was a project that came in last week, and... Uh, a producer who I love working with here in town, he um, he was approached to do the mastering for it. Yeah, and he said, "Hey, I don't really, uh, I don't really do mastering, and I, I don't really want to." Which is funny because when I first met him, he said, "I'd love to learn how to master." Yeah, um, and now he's like, "I just want to be a mix engineer and <laughs> right. producer and whatnot." So, right. like, cool. I'll yep. I'll be your mastering guy. Um, he forwarded the project on to me, and I was talking with them back and forth, and um, it was just going to be a single, but I ended up getting their uh, their full length, which I think they're going to wrap up here uh, mid-next month. Yeah. And I couldn't be more excited for it. They want to do awesome. vinyl and everything else, and it's like, yeah, let's, like, let's knock this baby out of the park. Yeah. So, And it's going to be awesome. Yeah. I so, think it's been amazing to me over the years of how many studios I now master for that still advertise mastering. Like Yeah, that's so weird, isn't it? It is. And it's and to me the overall like echo of why they do that, it's always budget. It's always yeah. well, we usually don't have the budget to hire out a master engineer, so we just offer it in house, you know, and we'll master it. And it's like I don't get I don't understand that. Like I understand, I guess, budgets, but it's like you're you're lying to yourself and to your client, you know. You're like advertising a service you actually don't know how to do, and you're taking money for it and calling it something that it's not. And I think for me, that's yeah. like the biggest issue right now in the industry with mastering is people don't really understand what it is, 
And it's been, um, I think the word I want to use is bastardized so much. Like It was a good word. Yeah, yeah, that's to me what has happened to mastering to where now mastering is associated with only loudness, making things really loud. And that's just one, that's not even ever what I focus on whenever I'm mastering. Literally like mm. the last 5%. Normally, I have to figure out, how do I make this louder now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, how do I get it to where, like, like, like it's breathing well, but it's like, should I, should it be here? Should it be a little bit? Yeah. Like, have, have a little bit more ass to it. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I just feel like why people hire me, like, the majority of what I do <clears throat> and loudness, the way I achieve loudness is is via EQ to me, like, Proper balance and perceived loudness, creating that via harmonics or mm. saturation allows me to then actually get it loud because then the final limiter or whatever I choose to use is receiving like a very balanced signal. And that's how you get loudness easily without pumping or distortion. And that's what I think like the majority of master engineers, the majority of people who are doing it themselves or even the online algorithm stuff is like, it's not doing that. It's not mm. approaching it from an EQ perspective. And you don't, you can't really even master yourself if you don't even know like why your mix needs to be balanced. I mean, that's like one of the big things I get all the time. People are, they send me a mix where like the snare is like 8 dB louder and their thing is like, yeah, we just wanted the snare to be super loud. So we did that, you know. Um, and then at the end of the day, when I have to master it, the first thing that'll be attenuated is that snare. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's gonna get chopped off immediately, no matter what I do. You know, even if I'm using a multiband or I'm bypassing things or side chaining, like that snare is gonna get hit. You know, by like four or five dB to bring up everything else. And the way, I mean, no get, matter what you're doing, yeah, I mean, no matter what I'm doing. And sacrifice. yeah, I usually respond like, hey, if you actually just make that snare about one dB louder than everything else, then it's going to still be super fat and super loud. But, you know, everything else is just going to have to come up a little bit as opposed to like trying to get everything else up like five dB. And then the compressor yeah. is reacting, you know, on a more balanced signal. So it's just like, it's things like that where, you know, in theory, yes, this makes sense. I should boost my snare up four extra dB if I want it to be really loud and punchy or you know, whatever. But once it gets to mastering, it's like, well, that's actually the first thing that's going to get attenuated and turned down. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, if you make that thing just pop out just a hair, then it's not going to be attenuated as much and we're not going to lose as much of the original source. Because obviously when we compress and limit, like you're losing, you're giving up something to gain something. It's always mm. a swap. Um and that's, you know, that's just one of those things where, like, why you should work with a master engineer? Because I know that. <laughs> like, I know that's how, how things work. And I know that's, like, if you want a big, fat snare, I can tell you to tweak something in your mix, and then your song is going to have a big, fat snare, as opposed to, like, the snare having its whole, like, life and, and body ripped out of it because we have to attenuate it so much. Um <coughs> But if, you know, if people were doing that at home, they just, you know, keep boosting the snare to try and make up and then all of a sudden you've got pumping and distortion and overs. And that's mm. what I feel like 
To me, when I get like references, that's what I feel like I hear the most is people are pushing things. Like they throw on a limiter last minute and then they just start pushing things into it to try and make things louder, but it actually makes everything smaller. Which uh, is funny because it ends up making your job easier. Or are you talking about on, uh, say, like a working master? or Yeah, on a working master, even a faux master, if they've done something before. And we call that, this is working master and faux master the same thing for point of conversation? Uh, I would say like a working master would be like the mix engineer has <coughs> been sending, people in Nashville call them like heater mixes where they've like thrown an L2 on and they take 4 dB off or something. Yeah. And I would say a faux master would be more of like someone who's traditionally mastered their own stuff or okay. and they're sending me what they've done in the past or what they've done currently and they're just like testing me out to see if I can beat it. Perfect. Um, For everyone listening at home, there will be a test at the end. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's that's to me how I would define those things, at least in Nashville area. Yeah. Um but yeah, I just you know, I think there's just such a wealth of knowledge within mastering engineers, I feel like, where we can we can help you get the sound you want. Um, but so many people just neglect that process because of money. Um, and I guess I don't get that be- also because, like, long-term, is it really worth, like, giving up, like, making your album awesome, is it worth, you know, long-term, like, sacrificing that? Like, yeah. just settling at, say, like, 80% of the process because you don't want to spend an extra, uh, whatever you charge, you know, an extra $1,000 for an album. Long-term in your life, if you're making, if you're a successful artist, say you make five albums or something. Long-term, mm-hmm. if you really are serious about this and it's not a hobby and you want to compete, on a professional level, an extra thousand dollars per album, to me, is a no-brainer. Like yeah. for the amount of money you're probably spending, and that's what I think with like a, most of my clients, it's now a no-brainer. Like it's they're like, yeah, we will gladly pay that. We would pay more for that, you know, because of the the benefit it ad- adds and just peace of mind, like you've mentioned too before. Mm-hmm. It's like you're paying us to sign off on it. To take away all the what ifs, what if we would have went with a master engineer? What if it would have sound better? Could it have sound better? Is the low end going to translate? How is this going to sound on my phone and in my car and to my A and R who I'm sending this to, who's yeah. in his, you know, cubicle at a label? Like, <laughs> yeah, just that peace of mind alone. Like, I would pay the money to have mastering done, um, just to know that I've had an expert kind of sign off on it who does this day in and day out. And I think that's another thing, too. I was just talking with a guy who's going to be using me, or we've done like one thing together now, but I had this conversation with him of like, he was like, why should I use you? Or why, why, what can you do that I can't? And I think that was a big selling point was just like, at the end of the day, you don't have to wonder anymore, like if it could sound better. Like you don't have to worry about that. And I was like, you know, sonically, what I'm giving you is better. But I was like, most of my clients at the end of the day, you know, after working a year or two or three together, the reason they work with a master engineer is because of peace of mind. And I take care of all the things that they have no clue about. Um, and they get a product back that sounds better. Or that they really shouldn't be worrying about. Yeah, they shouldn't have to worry about it. And that's And it's like in terms of like producing and whatnot, it's like 
worry about like taking care of the band and like generating more business for yourself and exactly. like, keeping projects coming through the door. And it's like it's like I've said before, at least how I view producers is that you're kind of the general contractor and exactly. then you sub out. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes budget does not allow for that, so you end up tracking and mixing and right. whatnot. And it's like, I don't know, it's, it kind of leads into our, our our next point of, but Sam, can't I master my own mixes? <laughs> right. So, and, yeah. And, like, it's, I don't know, it's like, yes, you can. Like, in my book, uh, my answer is yes, you can. My right. default is yes, you can do that. Um and when people ask me what is the difference between, like, me doing this and you doing this, um, or what's the difference between mixing and mastering, really my go-to answer is that, like, it's really just a mindset. Yeah. And you have people online who are, quote-unquote, teaching mastering and who normally teach mixing courses and whatnot. Yeah. <clears throat> And they'll say, okay, well, we're going to take out 7 dB. No, we're going to take out 0.7 dB here because uh, this is how mastering engineers do it. And mastering engineers work in these like right. tiny compression ratios and uh, small EQ cuts. It's like, well, don't do that because that's why mastering engineers do. Right. Like, like why they do that. Don't do that. Like, that, that's what an idiot does. Right. It's like, you do that because that's what the song needs. Exactly. And. Yeah. If you can't hear why you should do that, and if you can't hear to why, like, X should sound a certain way, then right. you should not do that. Absolutely. And it's like, don't do that because so-and-so online on YouTube told you to do that. Right. Because that's what mastering engineers do. Right. It's like, no, that's what idiots do. <laughs> right. So, and it's like, can you master your own mixes? Yes, you can. And if you want to know how, uh, take a step back. And, like, don't listen to it for a really long time. Yeah, yeah. And then come back to it in a completely different room and at least a better sound system than what you were listening on. Right. And say, okay, now what do I think of this? Right. Yep. But it's got to be a room you trust and a room you know. Yep. And you have to be able to say, like, you have to be able to remove yourself from the whole mix and be like, well, if I do this the kick or if I do this with like the overheads or something, it's like, no, you don't have that. Yep. All you have is two tracks, and you have to you, you have to find a way to the end product with as few steps as possible. Right. And how can I make this as good sounding as I can? Yep. And you have to have that mindset of removing yourself completely from your own mixes. Right. And if you're not willing to do that, and if you're just going to run it through an instance of Isotope, or some other type of mastering plugin or something like that, <clears throat> then there's absolutely zero value being added to what you're doing. Right. And it's like, I don't understand like what you think mastering is at that point, but it's certainly not what you're doing. Right. Because you're just kind of still mixing. You haven't really gotten into the mastering process exactly. if it's just pulling out another plug-in. Right. Or just working on, like, the two-bus or something. Like, like the, there there has to be some type of, like, tangibility to, like, this is mastering. It's kind of like if you work from home. It's like you hear stories of people who, like, you're not really ready to, like, 
like start your day. Like you'll hear people like they'll put on a suit or nice clothes and then they'll like leave in one door and come out another. Yeah. And like, okay, now I'm in work. Like right. they like they have to like set themselves up to work. Right. And then there's like certain boundaries between I can't do this because I'm at work. Exactly. Like I can't go upstairs. I can't do this. Yep. Um, I do things like that. And, and it's made so me way it, better at my job. <laughs> yeah. So it's like you have to get into a mindset of that. And if literally you're just going to sit there and you're like, okay, well, I just finished the mixes like five minutes ago or yesterday, I'm just going to pull out an instance of Isotope and we're going to just crank these masters out. Right. And we're going to call it mastered. It's like, my question is, what what the heck is the point? Right. What's the point of even calling it a master? Why not just make the mixes sound better? Right. Absolutely. Because you have you have all the tracks. Right, exactly. Like, your hands are not tied like how my hands are and Sam's right. hands are. Like yep. our hands are tied to two tracks. Exactly. So can you master your own mixes? You sure can. What does it take? It takes a it takes a completely different mindset. Yeah, and it takes a, and, a, a reason. Like why are you pulling out iStope? Yeah. I mean I think that's, that's always the big thing when I ask people throughout all the stages of music, if I'm pulled in to give my expertise. Almost, I mean, it's insane how many people I talk to where I'm like, okay, cool, you got that there. Why did you pull that on? What's that doing? Oh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> literally, people, oh, I don't know. I just put it on there. I just thought it sounded better or something, which is valid. If it sounds better, okay. Yeah. But is it really better or is it just that I was just about you to, know, I was about to say, I was like, is this better or is it different yeah, or louder? Exactly. And I think that's so, that's the thing. Like, I notice a lot when people are foam mastering, or I'll you know I'll be in a, a ride or something, and we're doing something quick, and someone's like, "Oh, I'll just quick master or something." I'm like, "Why are you doing? Why would you throw that on there? Let's take all that off, and like, what do we actually need to do here to make this good and better yeah. and ready for release?" And at that stage, you're usually, <laughs> at least for me, like you're you mentioned, like. I'm using far less plugins and things that they've ever used, and I'm getting a better in product because I'm using the tools that I need to achieve, you know, the end product. And I think, to me, one of the big reasons of why you shouldn't master your own mix. Once again, I'm going to go back to this idea of like, if you're a successful artist or mixer, well, I guess artists. I mean, I see a lot in Nashville. It's like producer, mixer, artist. Like they're all become one thing now. And I think it's detrimental. But yeah. people do it all the time. And I think the big thing for me is, okay, if you're if you're successful, you make like five albums a year, or like five albums total in your career, you know, you only will get the mastering stage, say like five times in your life mm-hmm. of like mastering an album. Whereas like mastering engineers like you and I, we're mastering projects every week, like albums, one or two, mm-hmm. you know, every week. I've never thought of it this way. And so my experience is just so much more, like more than you would have in a hundred lifetimes. Like <laughs> I've had, you know, like at this stage, I have a huge catalog of things I've mastered now. And this isn't at all like a toot my own horn. It's just I have the experience to know where a song's at and where it needs to go compared to someone who's on their first album or second album where they're doing, they've only done it, say, like one time in their life where I've done it like Mm -hmm. 5,000 times now. (laughs) So it's like, 
who's going to probably put out the better product and who's going to know more about this, you or me, and is that worth $100 to have 5,000 times the experience versus your one single? And I think that probably worth more of that. You should raise your raise your rates, Sam. Exactly, I should raise my rates, but I'm not going to everyone. <laughs> but but that's the to me the logic is like, can you can you master your own mix? Absolutely, sure. You know you can you can do that. But why? Why do you want to do that? And if mm. it's to save money, okay. Once again, fine. I guess I respect that. But at the same time, it's like. Don't you want the best in product to then to take that product so you can actually make money off of it? Mm-hmm. Like it's you know if you skimp on any part of it, you're getting a lesser product to sell and market. Mm-hmm. And when you're competing against Taylor Swift, Kanye West, like that's your competition at the end of the day. Like here's reality: if you're a pop artist, you're going against Taylor Swift, Katy Perry, Justin Bieber, you know whoever. That's your competition at the end of the day, and your stuff needs to sound as good or better, and your songs need to be as good or better. Um, and so I can guarantee you all those people are using the best of the best. And, of course, the pushback is like, oh, well, they have money. Yeah, they've invested into it. People have invested. They've, they've, they've taken the risk and put the money into it, and now they have the best product, you know? Mm-hmm. And... I feel like once you know you've spent the money to get the best product, if you do an album and you hire like experts and people who you know can match your sound or do your sound, when you get that in product, you are so stinking proud of it. And you want to show everybody. Because I've been here. I've been in a band. I've also I've done like side artist things. Anytime it's like half half assed, it's like, eh. I know this isn't as good as it can be, so I'm not going to promote it as much. But when you use the yeah. right people, when you hire like the A-listers, you're like, this is freaking awesome. And it always is yeah. better. Like It really is. And obviously there's like those rare horror stories of people like, I hired you know, the best guy and he sucked. And it's like, okay, you're like the one out of a million person, people that had that experience. But overall to me, at least in Nashville, anybody that goes and works with the top people, you know, top songwriter, top engineer, top mixer, you do it at a proper studio, it's coming out sounding freaking awesome compared mm. to the people I know in town who are like, yeah, I, I don't want to spend the money on it. And then it's like, well, your song, like, it's clear why it's not competing or why it gets passed on a playlist because mm. it just doesn't sound as good. At the end of the day, that's what it is. Um, it's not so, really about loudness. It's yeah, it's just sonically, you know, it it doesn't sound as good as compared to when you hire the right people to do what they're great at. You're going to get a better end product. And within all this, it's that hard balance of, for me, what I try to tell people is like, realistically look at where you're at in your career. Like, what are you trying to accomplish with this song or album? And that to me will dictate how much money you should be spending on the album. So like if you're a brand new artist and you've never written a song, I'm probably going to say like, yeah, you should go work with like some cheaper people because chances are you're going to need to write about 100 songs before you probably get one that's actually decent. And mm-hmm. so don't go, you know, drop the bank on this first song because 
in my experience watching people do that, they get the album done and immediately they're like, oh my gosh, I learned so much about myself and what I actually want to sound like that I'm ready mm-hmm. to record another album. But oh crap, I just did my Kickstarter and I raised $15,000 and now I can't go ask these people for money ever again. Yeah. <laughs> so they feel stuck, you know. Um, so I think that's my thing whenever I ask people like, you know, and this could go into like, should I master my own mixes? Maybe you should if your only goal right now is to like put a, p- a song out on SoundCloud just so you have like a song and you know like this isn't a hit song. I mean, I think that's to me the a realistically like the goal. Obviously, let's let's make hit songs every day. But in reality, you don't make hit songs every day. Like we know mm. that. Um, there's only room for so many quote unquote hit songs. And I think when people start realistically thinking about their music and their career and where they actually want to go, then to me, hiring mastering is really easy to be like, yep, we're going to hire a mastering engineer. We're going to get this done right because I'm a professional and I want it to sound professional and I want it to translate everywhere. And that's important to me. Or you go, I'm at a stage where like, I'm honestly not even close to being a professional. If someone came and gave me a deal tomorrow, I wouldn't know what that is and what to do with it. You know, yeah. like I think when people start realistically looking at where they're at, you know, and this is a whole side tangent, but I think it's important. You know, I don't like seeing people waste money on any part of the music process because at the end of the day, it is expensive. Um, and I have no issues with people. I guess not spending the money on certain things if realistically they're at a stage where like, you know, this song's gonna go up on SoundCloud that you're gonna get twelve plays and you're all of a sudden mm-hmm. gonna be like, I wanna write a new song because I just yeah. learned so much because I've never written a song before. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. What am I missing? I feel like you got some probably good pushback on that for me. <clears throat> well, I wanna kinda ask you, so why can't uh, say that my budget's not there. Yeah. Uh, why can't I just go to a place like Fiverr or Lander to do my mastering? Because there are plenty of guys on Fiverr and La- I guess Lander, not many guys there, but <laughs> yeah. there's a computer there waiting for you. <laughs> right. Uh, but on Fiverr, man, there, there's tons of people who will master your song or even your whole album for <laughs> perhaps your whole discography for $5. Right. So why can't why can't I just get it done for $5, Sam? Well, I would say you can, but you know, is it do you really want to risk someone who only values themselves at $5 to master your album? And I guess mm. that's to me the thing is like if they think their work is only worth $5, then you should expect getting maybe a $5 value. So expect maybe 5 people in your life to buy your song to recoup. <laughs> And only yeah. five people will like it. <clears throat> I remember when I started out, um, I was like, "Man, how am I gonna how am I gonna get the word out there that I'm doing this and and whatnot?" And um, I was like, "Maybe I'll like look to see for like freelancing websites and yeah. stuff like that." And so I looked on Fiverr, and I was like, "I was, was I was actually in Hong Kong at the time." And I was like, oh, I'll just go ahead and register. And it grabbed my location yeah. of like where it was, and I could never erase it. So it said I was oh just like gosh. permanently in China, <laughs> which, was, for which, was really, which was really funny. So, oh, um, so funny. But I was on there for maybe three days, hadn't even returned from my trip. And I was like, 
the whole time I was like going to like different places, I was like, man, this would be like, like who am I like whoring myself out for $5? Yeah. It's like I would personally rather do work for free all day Absolutely. long than do it for $5, which is very bizarre. Right. But it's like free just like there, there's really no tie there. It's like I don't, I don't feel like... I'm getting screwed because I'm doing something because I love doing it. Right. As opposed to like me getting paid for something and only getting five dollars for it. Like right. when I pour myself into it. So it's like the whole thing. It's like one of the uh say the say that like you're an hourly worker and you're getting paid eight dollars, uh eight dollars an hour. Yeah. Well, it's like at some point it's like if you're just hanging around at the end of the day and your employer is looking for something for you to do, like Going through his mind, his or her minds, eventually the thought of, what can I get them to do for $8? Right. <laughs> and it's like literally that's all that task, like sweeping the floor or something. That's all that task is worth to them is $8 exactly. for you to do that for one hour. Yeah. So it's just like I don't feel like whoring myself out for that, and that's why I set a rate. Right. And at first that rate was free. You can listen to that in one of the earlier episodes. Yeah. And then uh, I eventually established a rate, and then one day whenever I'm – pretty established, I'll raise that rate. Right. Um, but it's like for $5, it's like I'm not going to play that game. Should you play that game? Um, <clears throat> I would 100% say no. Yeah, I think um, – Yeah, I don't think going. there's – and, and like you said earlier, man, I don't think there's any value to be added to something for $5. Right. It's like what are you honestly going to do for $5 besides running through an instance of isotope? Right. Don't get me wrong. I love isotope as like its individual parts. Yeah. And but I don't use it in its like in its full capacity. Right. But I like using little tiny parts for like the vintage limiter is awesome. The dynamic EQ is epic. Like the regular EQ on it is fantastic sounding and you can get so versatile with it. Right. But it's like I'll never just like pull up an instance and be like, take this song and then I'm gonna charge you right. an arm and a leg. Yeah. It's like I'll never do that, but for $5, all bets are off on right. what's happening on the other end. Yeah. So, and Sam, do you want to you – know, okay, yeah. You I was go just going to say, this. yeah, to just echo that, like, I don't care what you use. Like, there's yeah. no – there are tools that can help you get the end product you want probably better and easier, but I don't have any issues with Isotope or Slate or any – I mean, I use – gear that's not quote unquote made for mastering all the time because it's the right fit or plugins, you know. That's or, all that matters. Yeah, that's all that matters. I think with all that it's just once again like do you even know why <clears throat> do you even know what a vintage limiter means? Like what that sounds like compared to like yeah. a normal limiter? Do you know why you mess with stereo width or phase? Like do you know what that's doing? Do you know why you use, you know, harmonics or like exciters? Like what the point of that is? Um, or I, MS. Yeah, all of that. Like, if you don't know why, get out the manual and read it because that'll help you. But it's once again, it's like you go to a master engineer because I know why. I've had the training. Even if you haven't been properly trained, if you've done it enough, you've done your research, you've read books. I mean, I was never official. I didn't go to school for mastering. I've just been doing it myself and reading books, and I've shadowed some really good people. And, you know, it's, I just, I'm just, quote unquote, the expert, you know, just like you're the expert. And hopefully, you know, the expert knows what, what they're doing and 
we know why we need to pick what we need to pick. And we know, too, I think the other thing with, like, to get back to the $5 thing, at the end of the day, no one is making a living off five bucks a song. Like, yeah. you're not. Like, you're not. You're not. You're either in a different country, and that's, I don't know, maybe you can live on that, but it's like you're not probably paying taxes or this is like a side hobby. Um, and that doesn't mean you can't go spend $5 and get like, I guess, a great master. Who knows? Maybe you can. And if that's the case, then go do that. But I feel like with so many people, it's just like a, it's almost like a pride or an ego thing. Like they don't even want to say like, oh yeah, I I spent $5 on Fiverr. That's who mastered my album. <laughs> you know, like they don't even want to say that. I know people who use Lander and they won't even, like they're secretly like, yeah, I mastered it myself, but they use Lander. And it's like... I've actually never seen Lander, and I'm sure people have done it, but I've never seen Lander on a credit. Right, and you won't. <laughs> Although I think Lander says somewhere that you're supposed to do that. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's the thing, like, all the music you probably love, if you're listening to this, has probably been mastered by someone who's a mastering engineer. Like, there's a reason it got someone sent to a mastering Someone who loves what they're engineer. doing. Yeah. And there's a reason it sounds as good as it does, or good's a moving target. There's a reason it has, like, the emotion and vibe it does. And it's because they usually pick people who could capture that and help enhance that. Yeah. And I think that's... Once again, one of the benefits of why you should use a mastering engineer is you should use someone who fits your vibe and what you're going for. And sometimes you as a person, as an artist or a producer or mixer, you don't you may be able to create the vibe you want on those stages, but then when it gets to mastering, you don't have a clue. And so then you start throwing stuff on it and you're actually giving yourself a lesser product at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're doing more harm than good. And I mean, once again, I'm biased because we're master engineers, but I've just seen it happen over and over again, you know, Mm -hmm. through the years of people just like butchering their great mix. Like they have a great mix going and then they throw a bunch of things on it and then it's like, oh my gosh, why did you do that? And it's like, oh, well, didn't have the budget for mastering. I'm like, I guess like you couldn't save up for like one more month or ask the artist to fork up you know, in a month or something and and then have like us such a better end product to present and you know, people are just like, Oh yeah, no, I I guess I could have done that, but I didn't. So it's like Yeah. I don't know. Like I'm you and I obviously we're trying to help people. We're trying to solve a problem. That's like why you use a master engineer. Mm-hmm. But sometimes as a human, which is I'm this way too, you have to learn the hard way. Learn yourself, you know, like for a long time, I didn't understand the value of like, you know, years ago, like real drummer versus sample drumming. And then when I started mm. paying for drummers to play on sessions, when I was back when I was engineering stuff more, it was like, oh, this is why you hire a drummer. <laughs> like, oh, I get it. <laughs> Everything sounds better, and and it feels alive, and that emotion, and that impact, and it's because it is alive. Exactly, and like they know how to play in the pocket. <laughs> they and, are sitting right there. Exactly. Where before with country stuff, I'd be like, ah, I just program drums. You know, it's yeah. all the same. And it's like, oh, actually, it's it's very, it's not the same. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that became like a, you know, one of those things where it's like, okay, I'm going to budget this from now on and I'm never touching sample drums again, you know, unless it's yeah. for 
like just to layer or like for demo work or something. But I don't know. I think I just think it's really important to care about all the stages. And I think when you neglect a stage like mastering, you're just kind of saying, eh, I don't really care about what I'm doing that much at the end of the day. And obviously you can yeah. be not educated, so you may not even know anything about mastering, and now you're like, oh my gosh, I should use mastering or check somebody out. But I feel like there's a lot of people I run into who are still, quote-unquote, mastering their own stuff, and at this point they know they know they don't know what they're doing, and they know they're giving a lesser product, but they just don't care because they don't they don't have the money for it. Like, and that's a tough, I guess, a tough place to be. Um, and this to me transitions into one of my other big points of why you should use master engineer is like, as a mixer, if you let me master your music, your mix will sound better. You will sound like a better mixer, <laughs> and so you can then take your mix, you can take the song, because people I work with do this, they take the master and say, look at how good my mix sounds, you know? Yeah. When in reality, you know, it's a team effort. It's not just you, it was the people who played on it, and the songwriter, and the singer. Yeah, and but the it still goes on, it goes on everyone's demo reel. And exactly, everything. but I think that's the thing where like a lot of <clears throat> like my studio clients who are mixers, engineer mixers, are like, yeah, I will use you just because you make me sound like way better than I am already. You know, because mm. if if they're able to show a song that's really balanced and translates everywhere, even if I had to do a, quite a bit of work on my end, it doesn't matter. It makes them sound better, and it's not a discount to their work. It doesn't mean they're bad because at the end of the day, they set me up well enough to make it sound great. You know, yeah. so it's not that they did a bad job. Um, it's just one of those things where like you can then market really nice polished you know sounding songs to other people as opposed to if you're mastering it yourself you're probably going to be compromising and then you can only market to certain people and i think that's that's to me one of the biggest selling points lately of you know i never really thought about that until the last couple of years of like oh this makes everybody look better this makes the mixer look better. It makes the engineer mm -hmm. sound like he was better. It makes the songwriter, it makes the song sound better because it's more balanced and emotional and dynamic than when it started, and it makes the players sound better. Um, and so everybody can win. Like even if you know, if you were an artist or a mixer, you could be like, "All right, everybody, chip in five dollars from the start, and you'll all yeah. sound better, and you'll all have like a great song to then market." That alone, you know, to me is worth like. If you have like ten people are involved in your whole process from start to finish, like have everybody chip in ten bucks a song to then have like a super pro, you know, final product coming back after mastering. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that's to me another reason is just like for your own selfish wants and desires. Like if you get your your song mastered by a great engineer, master engineer who does a good job it just makes you look and sound that much better, and then you can market that and leverage it to get better clients and higher-paying clients. And I've seen people do that, that work with me. Like, literally, once they started using me, their stuff sounds better, and so then they go market it to bigger clients, bigger artists, 
And the bigger artists are like, yeah, this sounds great. We'll work with you now, as opposed to three years ago when you're foam mastering and it didn't sound, you know, as good. <laughs> so, you know, that's another reason to me why you should hire a master engineer. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah definitely, man. Yeah, so what I think about all that is kind of along the lines of I had a really awesome project come through the door that yeah. I was actually kind of watching as it uh, kind of materialized. And I was like, man, I really hope I get this project. And it was a cool, like, funk and soul project. And it was this 74-year-old uh, African-American, like, really skinny dude, like, this... Uh, this like soul and funk project. And uh, I was watching like when they were tracking and then I was watching as they were like going through the mixes and I was like, man, I really hope they get this project. And I, I ended up getting it. And it's like uh, going out to, to be with the producer and him just kind of walking me through like the general vibe of it being like, like this is the vibe we're going for. Like we tracked it on this old like 1970s desk and we're just going for that really kind of like thick, warm, like with like like warm, like hug-like analog type vibe to it. Like nothing has to be like super clear. Um, you don't have to like clean up a lot like you normally do. But we just like we just wanted to finish and finalize and just sound like absolutely fantastic at the end. And he's like, I just want to make sure that like you have this vibe. And then we went and we listened to a handful of the mixes, and I was like, dude, this will master insane. Yeah. Um, so doing that, then I I ended up watching a uh, an Instagram story that he was showing uh, one of the mixes to this guy, and you see like this like big old smile on this like seventy four year old man's face <laughs> who's like never recorded an album before. Yeah. Who's never done any of this. And just to, like, see that and, like, how happy that made him. Yeah. Like, that's that's why I do this, man. Yeah. I mean, and that's why, that's why, like, any of us do this is, like, we just want the art to, like, come into, like, like its own. Right. And we just, we want the best for it. And yep. I believe that if you pay for that, you will get that. Absolutely. Um, there are some times when that's not the case, but... I think that if you do your research on how to pick a mastering engineer, I think that in general you'll get that. Yeah. Um, so, and also it's like kind of like going around and we, we might bounce around on this a little bit. Um, but I would say like step one, like say you find a guy or a gal. Yeah. Um, I think step one is listen to their work. Absolutely. Like, above everything else, yeah. listen to their work. Because yep. it's like, even if they have a cool studio, if they have all the gear in the world and everything else, I mean, Sam and I could have the exact same piece of gear, and we are going to come up with completely different right. results with right. it. Yep. Um, so it's like, it it does not matter at all. Yeah. Um, so listen to their work. I mean, if they're just turning out junk, then right. if it's like... Three years ago, they were turning out junk. Two years ago, they are turning out junk. One year ago, they are turning out junk. Like, take a wild guess of what your project's going to sound like. You're going to get junk. So, you're going to get junk. Right. Um, so, listen to their work. Yep. Um, I would also be, like, really looking into, like... And this is, like, like some mastering engineers, they go for pretty much all genres. Some right. of them are genre-specific. Right. Um, so it's like if you have a guy who normally does, uh, 
I don't know, say Latin music, but yeah. you're a metal band. Yeah. Should you really go to that guy even if he has a sweet studio? Right. So it's like if there's no references to how metal is going to sound like coming out of there, you could take a risk. Right. But if he doesn't work in that specific genre, then you might be taking a risk. Exactly. Um, so I would definitely look into to that. And I think we'll come back to genre a little bit because I do think that's important. Yeah. Um, you want to look at turnaround time. Like what are these people's budgets? Or I'm sorry, what are their uh, – what does their time look like? Like, right. what, what's going on in their calendar? Yep. If you're kind of, like, coming up pretty heavy to the end of your deadline uh, and you don't have a lot of time left and you're trying to get on somebody's calendar that's kind of right. booked throughout the end of the month, you're either going to be paying an arm and a leg to get on their calendar yep. or, <laughs> I mean, or you're just not going to get on it at all. Right, yep. Um, so, obviously, check out their budget and your budget and like everything that's going to be going on with that. I mean, if money's not going to work, you can try to ask for some type of concession. Sometimes you'll get it. Sometimes you won't. Um, I typically will try to work with somebody. I don't like turning away work, especially if it's like a project that I really want to work on. I was talking about a project in back in Christmas that I think I didn't get because, um, because of my rate that I had recently implemented. Yeah. And I really, and I had said that I really wished that I, that the person had spoken with me earlier um, about that. And that's really why I think I didn't get it because I, like, there had been solid communication up until they randomly released it um, under another person who mastered it who's not a mastery engineer in town. I think he's just a random person. Yeah. Um, I think it was because of budget, but if he had spoken to me, I really like what he does. And I would have done it for a discounted rate. Not saying I'll do that for everything, but, I mean, in general, his work is just... I like weird psychedelic music, and that was up that alley. And I would have really loved to, like, help out on that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then I think the last one I wanted to touch on was, like, uh, what tone and, like, sound are you going for? So it's like... If you're going to want something that's going to sound like that you're going to want like a little bit of like saturation on and like, I don't know whether it's like you want some like analog like type gear on it or whether you want some like, I mean, you can have analog without tubes. So it's like, do you want like some tube saturation on it? Do you want some like that like warmness that you're going to get from like some analog gear that does not have tubes or right. it's like, or are you just wanting it to sound like super clean, super surgical? And you just want, like, the bare minimum done to that. That's who you need to go and, like, seek out. Right. So do you want to touch on that vast <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> list mean, I just put out there? I mean, honestly, everything you said is, like, pretty spot on. Like, listening to people's work, super important. Number one. Number one, make sure they're actually putting out music that you like and that matches what you're going for as an end product. Um, within that, I always encourage people now, like, let me master your mix as a sample. Let me do a sample for you to give you like a snippet of kind of the general direction I would take it because, you know, the mix kind of sets up the master. So yeah. you could listen to all my work and it sound really awesome, but you have a crummy mix or maybe, <clears throat> you know, it's not great and you don't know that, then you can't expect it to sound awesome. Um, so that's something like as a mixer or like an artist. I would always try to find a master engineer who's willing to either give you their thoughts on it if they don't do a sample or work with someone who's willing to kind of show you what they think they can do with it and then mm -hmm. kind of base it off that to make sure it's actually the direction you want. 
Um, and then as far as like turnaround, super important. I get people all the time who are like, I need it. Here's the mixes. They're ready to go Friday. I need it Monday. You know, and you're like, well, I'm booked up for three weeks. And they're like, oh. And I respect my weekends. Yeah, yeah. Most of the time I do. Um, but yeah, the, I I mean, that happens all the time. That's why like my my form you have to fill out, Your my quote form has like, when do you need your master's by? Mm-hmm. Because when you get busy, the calendar is so important because you're not just working with one person a month. You're working with, you know, 20 people a month. And everything I do and take on impacts every other project. So it's really mm-hmm. important that my calendar is on lockdown and that everybody is slotted and um, essentially paid for their time already to keep that spot uh, in order for me to keep it, for me to make to meet your deadline as well as keep everybody else, you know, happy on their deadlines. So that's really important. Um, you know, and one way you can do that is like figure out you know, we've mentioned this before, figure out who you want to use for mastering before you even like hit record, you know, like find, find it, make the budget for it, contact them, give them a tentative date of like, Hey, I'm recording in, you know, May and we want to have mixes done by June 15th. And then we'd like to have the whole album wrapped July 1st. Um, is that doable? You know? And then usually when I get something like that, I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. Like you're giving me, you know, six weeks out. I can pencil that in. You know, I'll follow up at the end of tracking. I'll follow up at the middle of mixing. I'll follow up at the end of the mixing to make sure we're still on track. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you know, that's just wise. That's just being smart because you, as an artist, then you can rest assured that you're going to get your product project out in time um, to when Definitely. you want to do it. So that's just smart to do. And then, as far as tone and sound goes, that kind of circles back to me to like, you know listening to people's work, but within that it's kind of like probing or asking your mastering engineer like if uh, you want your th- your end product to have a more, kind of like you're saying, warm sound or analog sound or clean sound, you know, do they have the capabilities of doing that? Like do they have the mm. gear or do they have access to the gear? So like I always tell people like I can go rent any piece of gear you probably could ever think of or want um, part of the luxury of living in Nashville. Um, I can get that for your project if you really need it, if you really think this is going to make or break the project. I have no issues going to rent it, renting it for the project. Um, you know, And getting you the sound or tone you want, there's no issues with that. But really I feel like at the mastering stage, unless once again I have a few clients who, you know, we always kind of get weird with it or experiment and we change things pretty drastically just to see where we can take things. Yeah. Um, overall, at the mastering stage, hopefully the tone is there. You know, <laughs> hopefully, if you're going for a big warm tape analog sound, hopefully you've been tracking in analog world to begin with. Mm-hmm. Ideally, you've tracked a tape because that's a huge determining factor of tape sound. <laughs> Even if you're going to use an emulation plugin, um, having all the channels go through tape and being compressed is, you know, ideal. And then, you know, do I have the gear or past experience? Is does my work? Is there anything I can show you that sounds big, warm, and analog? And can I tell you how we got that? You know, mm, which I always yeah. tell clients is like, oh, it sounds this way because it was done at this studio, which is amazing with these players, and then it was mixed by this guy who you know mixes on an SSL to tape, and then. You know, I used 
my overstayer, which is my, it's like a tape stage emulator, but it's mm-hmm. it's analog, it's not digital, so it really does react kind of like tape pretty closely. Um, and that's how we got the sound, you know. And that's, I think, part of the thing when you're looking for master engineers, try to find someone who's really transparent and someone who wants to help you. And I think that's what I've learned over the years of like, the reason people want to work with me is because I usually have more questions than they do, you know, about the process of like, I investigate, I want to clarify, I want to make sure I get all the expectations, I want to get all the the hopes, the dreams, the wishes, the fears of, you know, where the music's at and where they want it to go. And, yeah. you know, immediately people are usually like, oh, I've never even talk, been able to talk to the master engineer. You know, usually we send it off to X, Y, and Z in, you know, big city and pay 400 a song and I don't even get to talk to the guy, you mm. know. And it's like, oh, well, that sucks. <laughs> like, music's supposed to be like a creative communal thing, I think. Yeah. So that's something, you know, within all of that stuff is like, does the mastering engineer even care about your budget? Do they have a timeline? Do they even keep a calendar? Do they even care about tone? Like, are they asking you those questions? Um, well, and I think there's like one more thing that's kind of important. Yeah. Um, because you you said like, are they um, are they capable of like obtaining that tone and yeah. stuff like that? And Something that I've seen, and I've seen it from people who haven't really been in this as long, yeah. and I'm not going to pretend like I have either, um, but you'll have people who, like, they want a signature tone, as in you come to them for a certain tone. Yeah. And uh, that, it, it, to a degree, that can be a little immature. Yeah. Um, so... If you do want to work with them and vice versa, but some tone is not working for you, make sure that they're okay parting with that tone as opposed to them being like, oh, well, I have to impart my tone on your... That, that This is my signature. It's what I do. And it's like, yeah, but that's not what mastering is. Yeah, exactly. It's not like you like leaving your mark on something. Like right. Mastering engineers like really shouldn't be heard for the most part. Right. You should compliment what's already there. Exactly. And it's like, don't get me wrong, Like, there's stuff that I do that y- sometimes you can hear what I'm doing, but, yeah. I mean, you really shouldn't, quote, leave your mark on something. I mean, it's... And, like, you, you should be willing to part with that if you are a mastering engineer. Yeah. If that's what the client's asking for. And it's like, if you're turning down work because they don't want that tone you have, it's like, hmm. I think it says more about you than it does about them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the thing I try to do, and I, I stole this from uh, Servan, who's a really huge mixer, one of the best mixers in the world. Like his approach, he says to mixes, is like he doesn't ever want to leave his sound, but he wants to help create the artist's sound. Yeah. And that to awesome. me changed my life when I heard that, I don't know, five years ago of like, oh, like I should help shape the artist's sound so they have something unique, like so they don't sound like every other artist. Not for the sake of making them sound different, but what you know, every every artist has a thing, you know, and a sound mm-hmm. and a vibe. And when you get to the mastering stage, like you can be a part of that of enhancing it and making it fit that and helping 
create that signature kind of, you know, mm-hmm. shape of the album or the single. And that really changed my approach of like, oh, this isn't about me at all. Like, this is all about serving the artists. Like, my mm-hmm. when I get hired, it's not about me. And I think that's what a lot of people mess up is like they think it's about them and their stamp and like carving their way to be known uh, for a certain sound. And at the end of the day, there's who knows how many thousands of mastering engineers there are, you know, in the world, tens of thousands that you could yeah. you could go work with. Um, and I think that's to me what I always remember. And also, I you know. Within it, I know there's only one Sam, and so like, no one can do what I can do, mm-hmm. and that to me is my selling point. But it also leaves room for other people because like I can't do what you do, Matthew. Like your approach, uh, I'll never. It's like you just said, we could have the same piece of gear and we're gonna use it two totally different ways, and both probably exactly. create a great product where people can like it. And I think that's the thing is like it's all about serving serving the client, and that's like this whole podcast to me is like at the end of the day at least like I think your heart and my heart on this issue is like we just want to serve you like as a yeah. as an artist as a mix engineer we want to serve you <laughs> we want to get you the best in product and I'm so passionate about why you should use a mastering engineer because I think it makes a huge difference and it really helps um, get a professional product that you're proud of and just like you were saying with that guy who like lit up, he was just so excited. Like that's that's why I do what I, I mean, do. That's all you want. Yeah, that's all you want is you want people to be excited about their music. You know, they've poured their heart and soul and shared who knows what in their song. And the last thing I want to happen is for them to put it out and nobody can hear the vocal or like the low end is so over out of balanced mm-hmm. that you can't even hear what's being said or like the speakers just distort. So the songs. A total wash, like, yeah. That's what makes me sad. <laughs> at the end of the day, when I hear music that I'm like, oh, why? Like, my wife always why would laughs. You do this? When we're in the car, like, I'm constantly mastering everything I'm listening to on Spotify. I'm always like, I have the audio knob, up, like settings in the car, always pulled up, and I'm always adjusting song to song. And I'm like, oh, they should have boosted here. Oh, they should have cut here. Oh, this could have been better here. I used to do that, but. After a couple of wrecks, you're like, ah, I should probably stop this. <laughs> Never been in a wreck with it. So, anyway, I think you know, it's we're we're just about serving people, and that's, that's at it. the end of the day, this the whole point for me of this podcast is like, I'm not trying to like swindle anyone or get money. Like, I didn't get into music for money <laughs> at all. Like, I could sell homes right now in Nashville and make five times what I'm making. Um, I think some people originally get into music for money and then they realize there's not a lot of money in it. Exactly, yeah. And you can make money. Like, yeah. we make money, but, you know, at, at this stage, it's like I'm in this to help people get their story out. And I want, you know, I want their song to translate as best as possible because I've seen the impact music has on my life and on other people's lives. And, you know, that's what it's about at the end of the day. And that's why that's you should it. hire. A team of people, not just a master engineer. I think this whole at the foundation, the reason why you should use a master engineer is the same of why you should hire a drummer and hire a bass player and hire, you know, do it in a studio and have a good mix engineer and producer and songwriters. Like 
it's about the communal um, aspect of creating together, and it's about letting people use their gifts, you know, to get the best in product. And that's what I think, you know, that's why I think it's important to have a mastering engineer. No, definitely. I, I couldn't say it better. So I think we've touched on pretty much everything we wanted to, or what are we yeah. missing? Well, I would say that if Sam and I did miss anything, please write in, let us know. We have a handful of people who write in to us every week saying, yeah. I love it, I hate it. We don't have a lot of hate <laughs> mail. Um, <laughs> not yet. But Yeah, not yet. We haven't pissed off the right people yet. Maybe in like when a couple episodes air. I was say, like we're not we're not popular <laughs> enough for to have haters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully one day we'll be that popular. We will eventually. Um, Maybe. Who knows? But yeah, if you do not like the show and you're, you're listening, you've gotten to this point, which is probably hour nine of this podcast, <laughs> write into us and say why you do not like it because and how we can improve that. I mean, yeah. what a better thing to do. Sure. Yeah. So it's like this is, this is the people's podcast. So say that 10 times fast. People's, people's podcast. podcast. This is the yeah. people's podcast. It's not like Paul Harvey. <laughs> the rest of the story. Was that Paul Harvey? No, he was the old. Uh, I think he. I think he got his start in the seventies. He was like one of the last great radio personalities, mm. and he had a uh, he had a news show that my grandfather always would listen to, um, and he just had this iconic radio voice. And he'd always sign off with uh, saying, "This is Paul Harvey. Good day." And that's, <laughs> that's how he do it. Good day. Uh, that was that was his sign off. So. Uh-huh. So look up, uh, look up Paul Harvey. He's like, I will. he's insane. So he, like me, has a face for radio. <laughs> Actually, he was a pretty handsome dude, but <laughs> oh well, this <is> derailed. <laughs> yes, but it's anyway, anyway, please, please like, subscribe, uh, give stars, write into us, say what what you like, what you don't like. Um, Actually, one of my favorite things is when people still have questions at the end of this and they write in. Uh, I had a uh, a friend I hadn't talked to probably in about a year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, him and I were texting back and forth one night, which continued into the next day. Then he said, "Hey, I'm driving. Can I give you a call?" And we talked for about an hour. Yeah. About a couple of the episodes. And That's awesome. Yeah. So it's like, please, like, let's like, let's start like a dialogue here, and yep, let's like, yeah, let's make this like a better place because absolutely you're a part of it yep so yeah great uh, if we missed anything let us know question comments concerns cries of outrage all is all's accepted so <laughs> yes let us know sam you have anything else uh i think whatever you're having have a good one morning afternoon or evening whatever y'all are having have a good one have a good one sam yes Cue the music. (laughs) Cueing. Thank (laughs) y'all.